Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is the CNN political briefing. Here's what you need to know in politics for Monday, October 12th. Amy Coney Barrett heads to the Judiciary Committee for her fast-track nomination process. We'll discuss that, plus what the Trump and Biden campaign travel schedules this week mean about the state of the race. And finally, bonkers fundraising for Lindsey Graham's Democratic opponent in South Carolina. Donald Trump's nominee to become associate justice on the Supreme Court replacing Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Amy Coney Barrett, appeared today before the Senate Judiciary Committee for her introductory remarks, for the classic photo of being sworn in under oath to give her testimony before the committee, and yes, to begin the process which seems to have a foregone conclusion with her confirmation likely to come before long. Judge Barrett played up her family in her opening remarks to the committee, played up her tutelage under Justice Scalia, and of course, paid respect and homage to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the justice that she is set to replace on the bench. But she also made sure in her opening remarks to indicate a bit of her judicial philosophy. Courts have a vital responsibility to the rule of law, which is critical to a free society. But courts are not designed to solve every problem or right every wrong in our public life. It's pretty clear what Amy Coney Barrett is trying to impart to the committee in those remarks. She does not see the role in the judiciary as one to solve problems or solve every problem. I mean, she says it right there, or right every wrong, meaning that's up to the legislative branch. That's up to the executive branch in conjunction with the legislative branch if you want to go about and come up with prescriptions to right every wrong or solve every problem. What she's trying to say here is... She's not going to be some sort of activist judge. Now, this is all the coded language. Of course, if indeed she was portrayed as an activist judge, she would never be getting this nomination, of course. And we know that she thinks that Roe v. Wade, uh, as a wrongly decided thing, is not something to be enforced as the rule of law, that, that that ruling sort of went around the rule of law. So you sort of as a Rorschach test can take what you want from her remarks here. She's going to try through all the questioning tomorrow and any additional questioning in the days ahead to play it down the middle as much as possible. But there's no mystery about where Amy Coney Barrett stands ideologically. Her confirmation to this court is going to dramatically move the court to a 6-3 conservative majority. So this is a very significant moment in the history of the court, and quite frankly, in Donald Trump's stamp on the court. This is his third nominee in just his first term as president of the United States. No matter what happens on November 3rd to Donald Trump, this part of his legacy seems all but assured. It's also worth noting how the Democrats approach today. They wanted to keep the focus, and clearly strategically so, on the Affordable Care Act. As we've talked about before in this podcast, Obamacare has gotten more popular with age. Our most recent polling showed a majority of Americans do not want the Supreme Court to get rid of Obamacare. They don't want it overturned. And it does keep getting, as time goes by, more and more popular, which puts a ton of pressure on the court 
And we know that they're going to hear a big case on this. And that's why the Democrats are keeping every bit of their firepower during this confirmation process on that message about protecting the Affordable Care Act. So that sort of message discipline from the Democrats, you can expect that to continue tomorrow when all the questioning begins. Here's what else you need to know today. Take a look at Donald Trump's announced campaign schedule for this week. Take a look at where the Biden campaign has its candidate and key surrogates this week. The map of their travel tells you exactly where we are in terms of the state of the race just three weeks out from Election Day. Donald Trump is going to Florida for a rally tonight. He's going to Iowa, North Carolina, and Pennsylvania this week. Only Pennsylvania of those four states with announced rallies is one that has had a sort of recent reliable Democratic tradition in presidential contests, a tradition that Donald Trump upended in 2016 to help secure his victory. But Florida, Iowa, North Carolina, this is a president on defense. It tells us everything. He's in a deep hole. He won Iowa by some nine points four years ago. He won Ohio by nine points four years ago. That's where Mike Pence was today, his number two surrogate, the vice president. And notably, it's also where Joe Biden was. If you would have asked any Democrat if the Democratic presidential nominee would be spending time campaigning on the ground in Ohio with 22 days left before the election, almost every one of them would have thought you were crazy because they would think places like Iowa and Ohio would be off the map, already in the president's corner. That's not the case. Those states are tied right now. They may, at the end of the day, end up indeed falling back into the president's hands. He may win them. But the fact that Joe Biden is within shouting distance of these two Midwest states that Donald Trump won by nine points last time around, it's a pretty telltale sign of how tough Donald Trump's path to re-election and getting to 270 again. And then add in this, Jill Biden, Joe Biden's wife, potential future first lady, she's in Georgia today, where early vote is underway. She's heading to Texas tomorrow to sell the early vote message and convince Democrats to vote early. Georgia and Texas, that's where Joe Biden's wife, Jill Biden, is campaigning this week. Again, the fact that those are even in the conversation 22 days out as battleground states tells you how tough the path is for Donald Trump. And finally today, $57 million. That is what Jamie Harrison, the Democratic candidate running against Lindsey Graham for the U.S. Senate in South Carolina, raised in the third quarter this year. It's astounding, folks. Beto O'Rourke had the record. He'd only raised $37 million or so, $38 million in the third quarter two years ago, back in 2018. This is nearly $20 million on top of that. It shows you where the Democratic energy is right now. It shows you the enthusiasm, the grassroots, the fundraising ability of these Democratic candidates. They can just sweep up cash. This is a stunning amount for a Democrat to raise, period. It is certainly that much more stunning for a Democrat to raise in a reliably ruby-red Republican state like South Carolina. The polls there have showed this contest tied. And Lindsey Graham is in the battle for his life for re-election. And now he's going to have to continue to wage that battle against an outsized war chest from his opponent. In fact, he was asked about this today. Manu Raju, our Capitol Hill colleague, said that Graham said, quote, 
liberals hate me after Kavanaugh, and helping Trump seems to be an unpardonable sin. There's definitely a backlash building back home about this, I'll tell you that, about the money trying to buy the state. So he's trying to spin Jamie Harrison's incredible fundraising by saying there's a backlash building and people won't like, South Carolina voters won't like the notion of someone trying to buy the state. The problem is Jamie Harrison's not coming from out of state to do this. He is receiving all of this money because of Lindsey Graham and his association with President Trump, even in a deep red Republican state like South Carolina. This is the weight of the president's current political standing around the necks of so many of these Republican candidates running for re-election. And that's why Lindsey Graham is trying to use the Amy Coney Barrett hearings this week to juice conservative enthusiasm in the closing days of this campaign. But this fundraising from Harrison is nothing short of blockbuster. That does it for today's political briefing. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.